So it is baptism of the Lord Sunday, and on this Sunday we remember Christ's baptism, and we remember our own, and we celebrate that as we just did. This is where we move out of the story of Jesus' birth and into the story of Jesus' life. Today we celebrate Baptism Sunday, and in a few weeks we will begin Lent, and then we will journey to the cross, and it will be Eastertide before we know it. But today, on this baptism of the Lord Sunday, I thought it might be helpful if we talk a little bit about baptism itself. There's a lot we can say about baptism. There are many different understandings of the practice. There's many different ways that it happens in different Christian traditions. Each denomination has its own theology around what it is and why we do it. And so perhaps on this Sunday where we celebrate and remember Jesus' baptism and our own, I thought it might be helpful to answer some of our questions about this holy sacrament. In fact, I'm about to preach one of the most pragmatic sermons I've ever written. As practical as I can possibly get. And my hope is that when you leave here, we will all be a little bit more knowledgeable in our understanding of the how and the what and the where, when, who, and why of this holy sacrament. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. My grandmother's brother is a retired pastor in the Assemblies of God tradition. His name is Uncle Myers. He pastored many churches during his time, but I remember most vividly when he used to pastor and we'd visit him at First Assemblies of God in Navarre, Florida. And the services at their church, being of the charismatic tradition, were a little bit different than the services I experienced growing up at First United Methodist Church in Dothan, Alabama. If you've not been to an Assemblies of God church or any charismatic tradition, there are similarities between the two services. There's music, there is a sermon, there are other liturgical elements, but the style of music was very different than what I'd experienced, and the dynamics of my uncle's preaching were very different from my own personal experience at my church. In fact, much of the Assemblies of God worship service was unlike the ones I had been accustomed to. And in particular, I remember one time as a young child noticing one big difference between what was happening at my uncle's church and my home church. And it was the way they practiced baptism. In the latter part of the service, a line of people filed out into a side room that led behind the stage, and my uncle went out into another side room on the other side of the stage while there was kind of like a musical interlude preparing for the next part of the worship service. And then as the song ended, my uncle came out onto a spot that was previously unknown to me. There was a, a small, like, jacuzzi-sized pool above the stage at the back of the altar. And my uncle came out in a white robe and waded out into the small pool. And then from the other side, uh, another opening, uh, the other side of the pool, somebody who was in that line waded out into the wade is probably generous, walked out a few steps into the jacuzzi-sized pool. And my uncle proceeded to dunk this person under the water. 
And I thought in that moment as a young child, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in church. I didn't know we could have water dunkings in church. I'd never seen one before. And I thought it was so special that I said to my mom, I would like to go up there too. Can I go up there too? And she said, you've already been baptized. You're good. As if like I was already a member of the club or I'd already passed the test. In my young mind, I did not remember getting dunked during church, nor did I remember this ever happening. So I must have forgotten it at some point. And I remember though that that experience raised for me a number of questions about baptism. Now having participated in helping officiate many baptisms, I've learned that most of us actually have questions about this sacrament. You know how as Christians we like to say that following Christ is a different path. That to, to be a follower of Jesus means that we're set apart. We're trying to be different. We're being different than the world. This is one of those things we're talking about because I don't know of any other place in my life where baptisms happen. I don't know about you. Maybe at your office you go in and people are occasionally being sprinkled on the head or they're bringing their babies in to have the water poured over them. But I don't think most people in life experience this on a regular occasion because this is something that is just not normal. It's natural to have questions about baptism because it's not something we do or see in any other part of our daily lives. And even if you were raised in the church your whole life, unless you're well-versed in Wesleyan theology, you might still sit here today and have a few questions about this sacred rite. Maybe you were raised in a different tradition. You were from a different church and you've seen the way they've done baptism and you know that we do it differently here and you know what others believe about baptism, but maybe you're not too sure about how we understand it. I cannot give you what every tradition believes about these things, but I do think it's important on this particular Sunday that we spend a few moments rethinking and understanding better this ancient practice and its meaning. But before we dive into what we are talking about, I would like to say just briefly what we aren't talking about. Because baptism often gets misconstrued as people journey through different traditions and switch churches throughout their lives. And so the, the terms can be convoluted whenever we have experienced different places. And so the first thing I'm not talking about is baby dedication. A baby dedication is when parents make a commitment to raise their baby in a church. And in some churches, the congregation promises to help that baby. It is a wonderful act. And it's beautiful. We actually make a similar promise at the end of our baptism liturgy. But in a baby dedication, there's not a belief that anything is happening to or in that baby that changes their relationship to the church. The second thing I'm not talking about is christening. I often hear people call their baptism the christening. And in some traditions, christening accompanies baptism. But it is not itself the baptism. Christening is when a child receives their Christian name. It literally means Christian name, which is not a very widespread practice anymore. Typically, whenever someone is born, their name is written on their birth certificate, and whatever that name is, is what I normally say when I do the baptism. Rarely, actually, I have never done a christening because I have never said somebody's name other than the name they were given. So we're not dedicating and we're not christening, we are baptizing. In our church, we believe that there are three different ways a person can be baptized. 
And doesn't this always seem to be the first question people ask you about your church? Do y'all sprinkle or do you dunk over there? Well, we actually do both, and we have a third. In the United Methodist Church, we believe that a person can be baptized through sprinkling, which is what we most often do with our infants, where the water is sprinkled over an infant's head or a person's head. We believe in pouring, where the water is poured from a vase or a shell or another receptacle over the person's head. Or immersion, commonly referred to as dunking. And some United Methodist churches have places for immersions built into their church. Not many, but there are some who do. But for those who don't, if they want to offer an immersion, sometimes it happens at the beach or the river. I've even participated in one at the YMCA pool. Most Protestants, they be, we believe, you know, that there's a strong Protestant tradition that immersion is the way to go. It's the, it's, some people feel very passionately that immersion is the only form that is right. But, but I would like to point out that that's actually a pretty new way of thinking. There is this new proclivity towards immersion as the main form of Christian baptism because we just read earlier from Luke's gospel about Jesus's baptism, and that should say something in and of itself, right? If Jesus got baptized, it's pretty important, right? But did you know that um, if you look at Christian art, ancient Christian art, modern Christian art, most Christian art from the 17th century and prior, anytime an artist depicts this particular scene at Jesus' baptism, he's not being immersed. He's not even being sprinkled. John the Baptist has a shell, and he's pouring it over Jesus' head. And that's the way the majority of Christian history has thought that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. So how baptism happens varies upon your tradition or your preference. If you are not baptized and one day would like to be, we can offer you baptism through any of these three means. And that's the how. That's the how baptism happens. But what about the when and the where? These questions pretty much go hand in hand, and so we'll tackle them together quickly. When someone wants to be baptized and where they can be baptized are both pretty simple answers. Yes. This is also not something that is agreed upon in every denomination, but as United Methodists, we believe that baptism can happen at any age. There's no age of accountability in the United Methodist Church, which means we celebrate baptism in the life of infants. A parent can be the vessel for God's prevenient grace and to bring that child to be baptized. But we also practice believer's baptism, where a person that hasn't been baptized can profess their faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized later in life after infancy. Although in the United Methodist Church, many people are baptized as infants, we do baptize adults as well. Every Sunday around the world, adults are being baptized in United Methodist churches, which leads me to where a person can be baptized. Obviously, we do baptisms here in the church, but like I said, they happen at the beach or at the YMCA too. The important thing about where a baptism takes place is that we believe this is an act of communal worship. Baptisms take place when the community is gathered together to worship God. So for us, a baptism has to be performed during worships. During a worship service like this on Sunday morning or at another place where the community can gather together to celebrate the sacrament as a body. 
It's the same thing we believe about communion. It's a corporate act. It's something we do together. I'm not hanging out on a Saturday afternoon blessing some bread and juice at my house and having the sacrament solo. Just like I'm not showing up to your house to baptize you at a private ceremony for yourself in a pool. Our theology does not allow for it. it we say and we believe that we have to be together so that the community can witness it and affirm it and celebrate it. And this is actually one of my favorite things about our baptismal theology. It's one of my favorite things that happens every time that we do a baptism. Each Sunday that we do a baptism, together as a congregation, we promise that child, that person, or that family that we will help guide them in their faith. And we recommit ourselves to the promises we made to follow Jesus. Every time we remember our baptism like we just did, we are recommitting ourselves, reaffirming our faith. And over the past almost four years, I have learned that the cliche, it takes a village to raise a child, is about as true as anything you can say. I'm thankful that at my children's baptisms, you promised to help raise them <laughs> and that we're all in this together. And so I give thanks that baptisms can happen at any age and so that's the how and the when and the where. And I want to spend just a few moments, the rest of our time, focusing on the who and the what. When we say who, it's easy for us to focus on who is being baptized, the baby in the gown or the adult at the beach. When we say who, we may even be tempted to think of the pastor who's doing the officiating. I often like to tell people that I was baptized by, Reverend, by Bishop Mike Watson, at Covenant United Methodist Church in Dothan, Alabama. And for those who are new to our church, Bishop Watson is a former senior pastor of this church. But before he was a pastor here, he was at Covenant in Dothan where I was baptized. But much more significant than the person officiating and more than even the person who's receiving it is who is at work in the baptism itself. We believe that God is the central figure at work in the life of an individual when they are being baptized. The person being baptized is not doing anything for themselves. You cannot save yourself. You cannot earn grace. It is a gift freely given by God. Neither is it the preacher who is performing the outward sign of baptism. We believe that the provenient grace of God helped bring that person to the moment of baptism and that God's grace is covering this person in a unique way during this act. The who of baptism is God. It's all about God. That's why we don't practice rebaptisms in the United Methodist Church. We do not believe that you can be rebaptized. If you come to us from another church or another tradition, you do not have to be baptized again when you join this congregation. Because if it is God who is doing the work, then God didn't mess up the first time he did it. God doesn't have to do that work again. We do have celebrations where you can remember your baptism, even if you can't physically remember it because maybe you're an infant. You can remember that you were baptized and give thanks for it. We just did that a few moments ago. We have our confirmation that happens in the sixth grade or later in life where you say, I affirm my baptism and I take it on myself and I own my faith as my own. 
And at any point in your life, you can reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ. You can reconfirm as much as you want, but you only have to be baptized once. Who is being baptized? God is at work, despite which pastor is there. God is at work bringing unique and wonderful grace, which brings us to what that actually means. What is God doing? We know God is doing something. We say, but what is, what is God doing? One part of what is happening is God is offering justifying grace and regeneration. And that sounds kind of fancy, I know, but we actually, we say it every time we do the baptismal liturgy, right? The person being baptized is being justified, which means they're being forgiven. God is offering forgiveness before this person even knows they need it. Our communion liturgy, every time we do it, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. We are baptized and we experience the justifying grace of God, the forgiveness before we even know we need it. Whether you're a baby or an adult, God is already working in your life and offering you that forgiveness before you even know you need it. God is doing an inward transformation of grace. But there's also another part. And that is that the person being baptized is being initiated into the Christ Holy Church. We just said that too. Being initiated, being brought in, becoming part of the family. Through baptism, you become part of the family. It's like we're all preparing for this great reunion every week. And everybody's got their, their best dishes prepared. Everybody's got the green bean casserole. Everybody's got the macaroni and cheese. And they're all showing up to church like, like every Sunday's Thanksgiving. And then somebody new shows up and we say, hey, we've got a seat for you at the table. We want you to be a part of this. Baptism is the initiation into the community. It's the welcome to the family. No one has to be baptized to experience the grace of God, by the way. You don't have to be baptized to come to church or to go to a group or a class. You don't have to be baptized to pray. You don't have to be baptized to do any of these things. But you do have to be baptized if you want to be part of the Christian church. This is an imperative that is expressed throughout the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't do much explaining about how you have to be baptized or when you have to be baptized. But it does say that if a person wants to be a part of that new church that was forming in the ancient Near East in the first century, when these people were writing about this new group being gathered, they said, if you wanted to join that group, you had to be baptized. And they took that seriously. And 2,000 years ago, we still do too. We believe that baptism is a sign to the world that you are now different, just like the early church believed it. Baptism says, I want to be part of this group that is not like everything else in the world. Baptism is an outward sign that you are a part of this family. And it says, I know that trying to be holy like Jesus is holy is going to lead to some conflicts between me and the world. But at my baptism, I'm declaring, I still want it. I still want to be a part of it. 
It is an outward practice that we as a Christian community offer to anyone. It brings that person, initiates that person into our community. And through it, God offers inward transformation by his grace. Which brings me to my one last question. Our chance to to wrap this up is the why. Why do we do this? You know, many questions in life end with why or begin with why. I have an almost four-year-old. All I hear is why, why, why. So why should you be baptized if you are not? Why should you celebrate your baptism if you are? The easiest answer is say, Jesus got baptized, said we should get baptized. That's, that's good enough for me. But a step further would be, Paul tells us in Romans, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Should we do bad things just so that grace can be better and forgive us some more and it increases grace's presence? No, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. Our baptism is a symbol of our dying to ourselves and our dying to sin. We are baptized, and when we do, and when we remember that baptism, we remember that we have died with Christ. We have accepted Christ's death, and we have joined him in that by dying to our sins, by giving up our sins, by saying, I do not want to be a part of a life that does not glorify God. We accept that forgiveness that is offered to us by that death in Christ, and through it, we are given access to the kingdom of heaven. Because of the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, we believe that through baptism, the waters purify us, that we might be risen with Jesus in the end. Each day, God's grace is new in our lives. And our baptism is our initial regeneration into that new creation. Our baptism is that thing that says, you are made new. You are forgiven, you are justified, you are loved, you are made new. We are baptized because Christ died and rose again, and through our baptism we die, and we are raised with Christ as co-inheritors of the kingdom of God. Nothing that I'm saying is new, and it might even sound familiar to you. I encourage you to take your bulletin home with you and reread the promises you made earlier today, if you participated whenever we were celebrating the remembrance of baptism, read those words again. Everything I've just said is in there. And you've proclaimed them yourself if you joined us in that confession, in that profession. On this baptism, on this Sunday of the Lord's baptism, let us remember not only Christ's baptism, but our own. You can be baptized in many different ways. It could happen at any time in life, at any place where the community is gathered together. 
In baptism, remember, we are experiencing God's grace in a unique way through a sacrament through which we are forgiven, initiated into the best life that I can imagine and to the best life that I know to offer. And so I want to extend an invitation this morning. If you have not been baptized and you would like to be, the waters are prepared and I would like to invite you to do that at the end of this service. If you'd like some time to consider whether or not you would like to be baptized or not, then one of our pastors will be in Dill Parlor right down the corridor here after worship to pray with anybody who needs prayer, just like we are every Sunday. And if you would like to talk more about baptism and what that means for you in your life, we would like to invite you to be with us and come and have that conversation. Or if you want to think about it for a few days, we're always available and ready to talk. We would love to talk to you about what it means to join this church, to be a part of this family this family that I believe in so deeply. If you have a child who has not yet been baptized and you would like to be the provenient grace in their life, we would love to be able to offer them that opportunity. And if you have been baptized, I invite you at the end of worship today to exit this way. On your way out, touch the water. You can touch the water and just let it sit on your hand. You can make the sign of the cross. You can hold it however you like. But come forward, touch the water, remember your baptism, and give thanks. That even if you don't understand it, even if you struggle to believe it, even if you have faith that is in a season of doubt about all of these things, know that God is still with you. Baptism is a reminder that God was with us before we even knew God. It's a reminder that God is saving and offering forgiveness before we even knew we needed it. And that even when we are in doubt, that doesn't change who God is and what God is doing. So touch the water. Remember your baptism. And give thanks. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.